The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And so it's our turn to move to wines for Christmas and we're joined by Mick O'Connell from Neighbourhood Wine, which has locations in Dublin in Leeson Street, Arnott's Churchtown and Dunleary. And you're described to me, Mick, as a master of wine. What does that mean? Um, I, I tend to say to people... It means that I have a certificate in the downstairs loo that says I'm a massive wine nerd. But it, it, more accurately, it means I have an industry qualification. We're, we're, we're the only people pretentious enough to put all of our letters after our names. Quite often I'll be doing tastings with lawyers and doctors and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm the only person going on about my uh, qualification. What letters do you have after your name? Just MW, Master of Wine. Excellent. OK, well, let's put that to the test. You have brought us two champagnes, two white wines and two red wines. And you talk about a little bit alternatives as well. Let's start with the champagne, which is an expensive purchase, but you have one that you regard as really good value to start. This is this is fantastic. So it's 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 a producer called Charles Heidsick. Charles Heidsick is it's it's a grand mark, so it is a, a champagne house, but the champagne houses, some of them are super famous, like Moet and Chandon or Verve Clicquot. You have um, Charles Heidsick is a much smaller producer um, using a lot of reserve wine. And what reserve wine means is that they're, they're using wines from different vintages and blending them all together to make this, which is their kind of their house wine, effectively. Um, so it's Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and you get a really rich, biscuity kind of style here. These okay. are absolutely delicious. Now, the first thing I've noticed is you haven't poured this into a flute. Not into a flute. It, it's it's a funny thing. I, I would say a delicious wine like this, you could pour it out of a thimble or a mug or a tumbler and it'll still be good. But if you want to get the best out of a wine, really you want that kind of tulip-shaped glass. Why? It is all about keeping the aroma in. So if you picture that kind of tulip-shaped glass, it, it kind of comes together at the top. Um, if you give the wine a little swirl, you're keeping all the aroma in. So, if you think about the kind of two classic um, glasses for champagne, you have the coupe, which is the very open glass, which I always joke, it must have been developed by the champagne producers because if you're dancing around a party, it's spilling everywhere, you know? So they're going, it's brilliant, they have to buy more champagne, this is a fantastic idea. Or the other classic glass is the flute, and certainly the catering flute that we'll see at all the parties. People are filling them right up to the top, but there's no real... There's no kind of cupping at the top to keep the aroma in. So it's that thing of when you have a tulip-shaped glass, you can kind of stick your nose in a little bit, you get a little bit of scent, and you get the taste at the same time. Okay. And I admit I'm not much of a champagne fan. I don't have the refined tastes possibly. So just, I've tasted this. It's grand. Grand! Oh, you hurt me. <laughs> Sorry. You hurt me. But that's just me and champagne, I'll have to admit. So my apologies for that. No, no, don't, don't apologise. Like, champagne is a style... So quite often if I'm doing tastings, I'll do champagne versus Prosecco because they're two really, really different styles of wine. Prosecco tends to be fun, fruity, floral. And cheaper. And much, much cheaper, particularly given we have really quite high taxes on sparkling wine here in Ireland. So we have doubled the normal wine tax um, on sparkling wines. Really, we, we do enjoy taxing a bit of luxury. Whereas Prosecco, actually, the frizzante style takes the normal wine tax. So it ends up being much better value. Okay, but this Charles Heidsick Brut Reserve, 
How much would it cost? It would be 75 to 79 euros. Okay, and biscuity is how you describe it. Definitely in that biscuity kind of, kind of place. So what happens with these really, really great champagne um, producers, they lie the champagne down on what is called its lees. And its lees are the yeasts that are used up in the process, um, in the fermentation process. The lees impart this kind of bready, biscuity, doughy kind of flavour. And the longer that you lay the wine down, the more of this that you get. And it's like in total, total opposition to Prosecco as a style. One brief last question. Would you have that with your starter at your Christmas dinner or is it something to be drunk before you sit down to the table? I, I would say it's the perfect segue into your starters. So if your starters are things like prawn cocktail, the absolute classic. Or, as we do in my house, it's uh, organic salmon and soda bread. You know, you have the cut from the champagne. That refreshing cut is what you need for the oily fish. Now, you have a non-alcoholic alternative. We did non-alcoholic drinks last week, but there are people who will not like the uh, champagne Christmas Day. So tell us about the non-alcoholic version that you have for us, this which is, is also a damn sight cheaper. This is, this is a, a hell of a lot cheaper, absolutely. This is, this is 15 quid. Um, and, you know, people sometimes kind of say, oh, like that, that's expensive for non-alcoholic. But actually, in the big scheme of things, it starts its life as a wine and then the alcohol has to get stripped out. So that can be quite a process. Um, this is a sparkling Albarino called Hollow Leg, which I think is a fantastic name for a non-alcoholic one. There's not much of a smell off it. This is much more in the Prosecco style. So it's kind of fruity. Practically odourless. Give it a little taste. It's, it's got that kind of citrusy, lemon sherbet, very, very fresh, subtle bubble. Sorbet, that's the sort of yeah. thing that, yeah, yeah, that is nice actually. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. Like, like I, I say quite often about this particular one, I would rather drink this than a lot of Prosecco on the market. And, you know, like people are becoming more health conscious and cutting units out of their diet. And I think this is a really great wine to do. Could I slip this to people instead of their Prosecco on Christmas Day? I think you probably could. The, the, um, the rowdy crew that come late on the evening, maybe you slip them this as the first glass. I'm not thinking of the people who come late in the evening. I'm thinking <laughs> of the people who are there from early in the day. Okay, that actually is lovely. Give us that one again, because I think you get that in Dunn's and independent wine shops. So, this is widely available now at Dunn stores and, and right across in good wine shops. But This is called Hollow Leg, and it's an alcohol-free sparkling Albarino. Okay, that's an easy one to remember, the name of that. But the next one you have, which is a white wine Albarino, now you'll have to pronounce this one for me. So this is this is also Albarino, and it's a producer called Maria Baisha, and it's from Rias Baixas, which is northwest Spain. So it's the bit of Spain that's kind of sticking out above Portugal, or as I always say, it's kind of like the Irish bit of Spain. It's the bit that gets all the bad weather. So you get a lot of rain here. This is much much cooler part of Spain. Albarino is fantastic from this part of the world. You get some of that kind of saline Atlantic influence across the wines, but they are citrusy, they are crisp, they are super, super mineral and very, very palate cleansing. This particular example, I would be saying, is probably going to be your... You're kind of definitely with your starters. So again, if you're doing with the smoked salmon, this is perfect because it has that vibrant, um, crisp, refreshing acidity. And that kind of cuts through any oiliness that you get from any fish. 
That is nice. There's actually what I always a little bit concerned about with some white wines is they can be too sweet tasting. Yeah. There's no sweetness from that. Yeah. Bone dry and, and almost that kind of like salty thing that is is so refreshing. You get you get different styles of refreshment in the mouth. Some is the acidity, the vibrancy, and some is this kind of saline minerality across the palate. So you get both with this. This is a this is a great palate cleanser. Washes the palate clean and is so food friendly because of that. That is lovely. That's really nice, and that's a good price as well, isn't it's it? It's a great price. I mean, I mean, this is normally thirteen quid. This is in. This is available in Duns, but at the moment, this is discounted back to ten fifty. Not one that you have, but alternatives. In our house, there's a big loving for Sauvignon Blanc. So okay, that's yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so for me, style wise, you have Albarino. Yeah, fits certainly into the same kind of bracket as Sauvignon Blanc. So you have Sauvignon Blanc from the Loire Valley, Sancerre, Puy Fumier, the very famous ones, and then you have Terrain Sauvignon Blanc, which is better value. The Sancerre, Puy Fumiers, you're, you're talking in the 25, 30 quid neck of the woods. They're very, very elegant styles of Sauvignon. For more fruit-forward styles, you've got uh, New Zealand. Yeah. So Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc is, is the big thing. The, the very famous one at the moment, certainly in Ireland, is the Graham Norton one. Um, Big favourite amongst the women in my house. I, I, I can well believe it. It is super, super popular. And, and I have to say, it's actually a really, really good wine and very, 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 very good value. Okay, there's a dislike in our house, though, for Chardonnay. Oh. And you've got a really expensive bottle of Chardonnay to yeah, recommend. You, you can't bring this one home then. If, 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 if the guys at home don't like the Chardonnay. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, this could be the wine that kind of breaks the Chardonnay hoodoo. Yeah, but Char- I'm not prepared to pay that price for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll donate you the end of this one to bring home and test test the family. But this is from a producer called Domaine de Monti, who are based in the southern part of the Cote d'Or in Burgundy. Burgundy is this beautiful, beautiful patchwork quilt of tiny, tiny, tiny vineyards. These are part of the reason they're expensive is because there's tiny, tiny, tiny quantities. We're talking supremely different scale to what we're talking about with New Zealand um, Sauvignon Blanc. So this is a lightly oaked Chardonnay. That's beautiful. Absolutely knock your socks off good, yeah. That is superb. So this is the kind of... There was a bit of a thing in the late 90s, early 2000s where you're getting a lot of overblown Chardonnays Australia quite often the guilty party, sometimes America the guilty party, but they were over-oaking the wines and people were able to hang their hat on it because they saw the word Chardonnay on the bottle. Now, people are really pulling back from the over-oaking. The wines are much more restrained. As it happens in Europe, particularly in Burgundy, we, we tend to brand or market by place, by geography. So this is, this is a Burgundy. Nowhere on the label will it say um, Chardonnay. So most people, when they're going in, they don't even know that there's a Chardonnay. And the, the big thing here is it's judicious use of oak. So it's elegantly oaked. It reminds me of a good red. Oh, like there's so many savoury aspects to this. You have a little bit of fruit, but you have, you have those kind of little subtle baking spice, like cinnamon, nutmeg, these kind of things that come from the oak barrel. This is absolutely the style of wine to pair with turkey and all the trimmings. Okay, I've recently returned to having an occasional glass of red wine, which I like, and I'm looking forward to your next choice. Okay, so we have two reds here. Okay, both are from Pinot Noir. We have one that is 
a super, super classic, which is Mercury Primary Crew. And this is from a producer called Philippe Lehardy. This is a premier crew. So this is at the one kind of vineyard designation below Grand Cru, but one vineyard designation above village level. So this is, this is where it's specifically vineyard, um, a named vineyard of high quality. Um, oh, that smells beautiful as well. This is like, you know, sometimes when you're tasting across a range of five or six different wines, you get to a wine and you just stick your nose in it and you go, oh, that smells like a cuddle, you know? Yeah, that is lovely. I'm, I'm waiting before I taste it because I'm enjoying the smell, the aroma of it. But isn't that a brilliant thing to be able to just kind of allow the smell of a delicious wine to wash over you? It's so delightful. This has been in Noir really at its best. Mercury is kind of southern Burgundy. Um, so there's a little bit more generosity than what you get further north in Burgundy with Jeffrey Chambertin and Maurice Saint-Denis and Nuit Saint-Georges and these kind of guys. There's a little bit more sunshine in it, a little bit more generosity. These are also well-oaked wines, so you get some of that spice coming through as well. Very nice. Doesn't leave an aftertaste either. No big aftertaste. I mean... There's a there's certainly a dryness on the finish which I very much like and and I think dryness is a good description more food friendly so you want you want a wine to kind of wipe your palate clean particularly when you're doing food and wine pairing okay that's very nice that's you said fifty five euro where would you get that fifty five the Hardy so this is kind of in good independent wine shops Devonies in Dundrum uh, Redmonds in Ranelagh. Um, but but certainly go into go into your local indie wine shop and tell them you want to have a delicious glass of Burgundy, and they will point you in the direction of something of this style. Now, what's the last one you've poured for me, please? So this is Burgundy style, but from Germany. So here, Pinot Noir is called Spätburgunder um, or late Burgundy, but but you have a kind of lighter touch style of wine here. It even it looks lighter in colour. Looks looks lighter as well. The, a, a big generalisation, but the further north you go, so it, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere, so the colder the climate that you are, quite often the lighter the wines are in general. It's a big generalisation, but, but, but also something that is relatively accurate. Here in Germany... Pinot, Pinot Noir really makes some delightful wines, but you get this beautiful tart vibrancy with these wines. And when it comes to stuff like turkey, stuffing, Brussels sprouts, gravy, you've got such a myriad of different flavours that are on a Christmas plate. This can be, this, in my mind, this is replace the cranberry sauce with some Spätburgunder. Because there actually, even as now you mentioned cranberry sauce, you put cranberry in my mind tasting that. It, it, it has this kind of red currant, raspberry, cranberry, this crunchy red berry kind of fruit. That's very nice. And it's a good value in that. What price That's is on like that? 21, 22 quid. Okay. And, and again, available in good indies. And that, that producer is Carl Koch, who's from Rheinhessen. Okay, right. That's a great list of suggestions. We will put them on the website. We'll have a photograph for you to recognise all the bottles as well. Mick O'Connell, thank you very much for taking the time to make the Christmas recommendations. Absolute pleasure. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.